now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in the city of Portland, Oregon, at the Momentum Studios. Myself, Spencer Shea. Yes, sir. Back at it for another one of these, man. This is going to be a good episode, bro. Yeah, certainly will be a good episode, man. We got a lot to get to today. Um, But let's just jump straight into it because... No need to have you all waiting. We've had you all waiting for a couple of weeks at this point, maybe even three weeks now when I kind of put a teaser out there that we had a big announcement coming down the pike. And the announcement is, just to open up wind shares for you, I will be the broadcast analyst for the inaugural season of the Rip City Remix, which is the Portland Trailblazers new NBA G League affiliate. And, uh, you know, it's definitely an honor, first and foremost, to be able to have this position. It's been tough biting my tongue and holding on to it and not sharing it with the world, but it finally got shared today via a press release. I've posted some stuff today as well as we're sitting here recording on Thursday night, November the 2nd, and I'm just overwhelmed right now in a good way, in a great way. I am being flooded with so much love from so many different ways. People from way, way back in my past, back in my hometown, many people here in Rip City. And uh, I- I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm overall excited. And uh, I guess it's safe to say that I am officially a Rip citizen. <laughs> Congratulations, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you. I mean, obviously I knew because, you know what I'm saying, this, you know, we, we've, we've been knowing about this, concocting from, uh, f- I mean, shit, three weeks, five weeks? Yeah, maybe it's more. been a little while, about a month, about, about a month. Yeah, yeah. and so, um, I mean, it's uh, it was an obvious choice Yeah, because you already know. <laughs> you already know what time it is. Hashtag professional games. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what he does. He spits game. And uh, now you are at the pro level, sir. So congratulations, for man. sure. I can't wait, bro. I can't even. I can't wait I can't to be either. in. The, I can't wait to be in Childs, just watching. It's gonna be so much fun, You're, dude. And the G League is happening. It's happening. I mean, I mean, for starters, just to speak about the G League in particular and why this is such a big deal. Um, there was a post that the G League posted um, maybe like opening night or a day, a day or two after opening night. And 50% of the opening night NBA rosters had players that had G League experience. Um, that, that's, that's huge. That's one out of every two players that is that's- currently playing in the NBA right now. And that was on an opening season roster, opening night roster, I should say. Are, have have spent some time in the G League. There was also like eight head coaches in the NBA oh, wow. as well that had G League experience coaching. And so wow. it, it's a really big deal. Um, I, I always think about it. I've been thinking about it a lot because I followed the G League. I've had friends that have played in the G League, one friend back in the G League as well. Um, shout out to my guys, GP2. We've had him on the podcast here talking about his G League experience and what it meant to him when he first got with the Warriors and was able to ultimately stick with the Warriors and how much the G League meant for him and his career. Um, But I think about what my other guy, Juan Toscano Anderson, both of these dudes I grew up with, GP2 and I, playing with each other back in our AAU days in high school. Me and Juan Toscano Anderson playing against each other um, in high school and even younger days, our AAU days, both growing up in the Bay Area, same class, 2011. And Juan said something a long time ago about the G League. And 
It's always stuck with me far prior to there ever being an announcement that we were going to get a G League team here in mm-hmm. Portland. But he has always called it, and I'm paraphrasing, the G League the second best league, the second best basketball league in the world. And this is a guy who is a whose journey has been international. Obviously, you know, growing up here, playing here through college, went to Marquette, played in the Big East, um, was an undrafted, went over to Mexico because he's half Mexican. Juan Toscano Anderson is his name. Um, was able to go play professionally in Mexico, just balled out over there, became a huge name over in Mexico, a household name basketball-wise, then decided to come back to the States play in the G League, played with the Santa Cruz Warriors, got pulled up with the Warriors, and ultimately Ultimately. became a world champion with the Warriors as well. And he's back in the G League right now because, again, it's a journey, and he'll be playing for Mexico City's G League team, which is super dope. But a long time ago, he said that, and because... I know America is what America is in terms of where we stand in basketball, but... There's still some phenomenal leagues across the world. The game has become global. We talk about it here often about how the game has become global and we're seeing the rest of the world just become drastically better at the sport and we're seeing how it's coming back and impacting the NBA, which is what is considered the greatest league in the world in terms of the sport of basketball. And just to be able to understand now and sort of have those numbers that I just mentioned to support that this league really truly is the second best league in the world. Obviously, it's an affiliate of the NBA, which is the best league in the world. But in terms of just the competition level, um, in terms of the guys that go back and forth between the NBA, these two-way contracts, these Exhibit 10 contracts, all of these guys that are you know, getting 10-day contracts here and 10-day contracts, they're ultimately trying to stick in the NBA like the best pipeline now, especially since the Ignite um, has come along too, and you now don't have to go to college, and college doesn't no longer have to be the main pipeline for you to get into the league. The G League is the primary pipeline if you want to make your way into the NBA now, I would say. And so to be able to just be a part of this league, this will be the first league that I'll call professionally. I've been doing college my entire career as a as an in-game broadcaster. Um, got my start as a broadcast analyst. We're just going to go through the journey a little bit. Got my start as a broadcast analyst at my alma mater, Pacific University. And it was Crazy because it was at a time where I started off doing sports radio with 750 The Game, um, Justin and Devon's show. Shout out to my guy, Justin. I'll be on his show tomorrow morning to talk more about this. He's been there for this entire journey. Um, Our show was doing well, but unfortunately, the radio business did what sometimes the radio business does, and it didn't keep us around, at least at that station at that time. So once we got laid off, it's a conversation Justin and I had, and I'll never forget it. Justin told me, he said, I've been in this radio game a long time. You are young. You are talented. Mind you, I got this show a week after graduating college, for crying out loud. I graduated like May 20th. You, I got off. You don't even get greener than that. Yeah. Like I, I graduated college on like May 20th to be exact. And Memorial Day weekend, I got offered this position um, to co-host this show in, in a top 25 market at a major sports station here in Portland with 750 The Game. So 
when we got laid off, Justin and I are going out to eat and he's sort of trying to like help me out because this is an experience that he's been through before having been in the game for at the time, 15 years. Now it's upwards of 20 years that he's been doing this radio thing, still killing it with his morning show at rip city radio now. And he's showing me like, how to kind of put my resume together, making sure that I got my demos and stuff together, helping me ultimately try to put a package together to, together to go and find another job because he genuinely believed that I had a future in this business. And as a young kid, not a lot of money and just trying to figure this whole thing out, I really didn't want to leave the market of Portland but it's only three radio stations here in this market, three sports stations here in this market, 750, 620, and 1080. And so he tells me as he's kind of helping me put my my package together um, to be able to kind of send to other stations and, and try to land on my feet and get another gig, he says, man, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, nothing's guaranteed in this industry. Obviously, you've learned that through this experience that you and I just went through. But I'll also tell you this, for most people in this industry, if they don't get another job within six months, they probably will never work in this industry again. And him telling me that definitely made me nervous <laughs> in terms of like trying to figure out what it was that I was going to do next, how I was going to go on about it. And I'm just like, whoa, that was kind of a lot to take in right there. And so at that point, now I have to think of every which way that I can assure myself that I'll land on my feet in this sports broadcasting space. And that's when I got creative enough. And I said, hey, let me go back to my alma mater who... I just got done playing for a season ago, and I know that they only have a play-by-play -play personality there. Shout out to Matt Rickard. And let me see if they'll just let me throw the headset on and join him on the call and be the color commentator and be the broadcast analyst. And that's how I landed my first ever broadcasting gig as a broadcast analyst was out of like fear in a lot of ways because Justin tells me that, and I can't wait to tell him this on radio tomorrow. It's going to blow his mind a little bit because he may not even remember having this conversation with me, but he tells me this, and I'm like, I have to stay in this business. I love this business. I love what I do. He and I had a great show together, and we just got the shit into the stick, but this is what I know I want to do. I went to school for this. Like, I'm banking on this. this. I'm betting on myself when it comes to this space. So forever grateful, forever indebted to my alma mater, Pacific University, that gave me my first chance as a broadcast analyst. And then from there... The following season, I work with a different broadcast, uh, with a different play-by-play -play broadcaster. I stayed in the analyst chair. And at that same time, my guy, Matt Rickard, shout out to Matt Rickard, ended up leaving and going to Portland State. And he became Portland State's play-by-play -play guy. So from there, he came to fill in one day at play-by-play -play for Pacific while I was still sitting in the chair of being an analyst. And I'm just asking him, like, how you doing over at Portland State? How's everything going? Yada, yada, yada. And he's like, man, honestly, it's, it's a little bit tough because I'm doing basketball there, which I love, obviously. You and I work well together. And I'm doing TV. And I'm doing it by myself. And 
after having been able to work side by side with you, TV's already harder. He's like, radio, doing radio solo is one thing. Doing TV solo is a little bit of a different thing. You want somebody that you can bounce back and forth off of and and, and do, you know, what you do there. And you and I obviously did that last season. So I'm like, well, man, go talk. This is mid-season, mind you. I'm like, go talk to who you got to talk to over there. Right. And I'll talk to who I got to talk to. One one person I spoke with was then at the time, uh, Valerie Cleary. Now her name's Valerie Johnson. She was the athletic director at Portland State. Had the relationship with her, still do. And mid-season, I come in and I basically create, just like I did at, Port- at Pacific at my alma mater, a broadcast analyst position at Portland State University. And it just went super dope. Um, you know, we were on at the time Pluto TV a couple years into it. We end up getting a deal with ESPN plus. So for the last few years, I've been calling big sky games, Portland state games in particular on ESPN plus as a broadcast analyst there. And so once that happened, I was still at Pacific ultimately became the play by play guy at Pacific. Then I needed an analyst, and so I called my guy right here in studio with me by the name of Spencer Say, and I said, Spencer. Say word, then. I say, Spencer, I'm doing play-by-play here at Pacific, which is a whole new thing for me. I need an analyst, man. Come through. Come rock with me. Um, Because I've only known how to work in pairs in this space. And I'm a gamer, so I showed up. You showed up. You showed up for me. I wanted to say, though, because it's not like you just created a position for yourself. You created a position that's going to – outlasting your tenure. It will outlast your tenure. Definitely. That, I think, is an important distinction. Definitely. Definitely. And, and, and And whenever Portland State decides to part ways with me or vice versa, I, I, I hope that that position opens up for somebody else. Ultimately, I'm saying, yes, I am still doing the analyst position, analyst job at Portland State as well as I'm doing it at Rip City and still doing play-by-play at Pacific. I'm able right. to keep all my gigs. What do you know? Um, but professional games. Video. But with that said, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? I create this position there. I create this position at Portland State. I obviously played basketball, so it was a position that made sense for me. And the 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 support that I've gotten from both of those universities, from the parents and the family members of the student athletes at those universities, I, I tell you, man, like, it, it kept me going because – it wasn't like I was getting paid a bunch of money. <laughs> Let's start there. And I still really just didn't know what was next. I didn't know what the next opportunity was going to be for me doing this. I never really got back into doing talk radio. I still obviously kept this podcast going this entire time. So I still get to work that muscle. I make a lot of appearances here and there. But live broadcasting kind of became my main thing when it came to sports broadcasting. When prior to that, it was talk show hosting. That was my main thing as a sports broadcaster. So... I just kept going and kept going and I never really worried or focused on like what was to come next or how it was going to come 
because I had so much support from those particular schools. I had so much support from, again, as I mentioned, the families of the student athletes that would tell me on the senior nights or whenever they came in to listen to, you know, or to watch their, their family members, their relatives play live in person or, or even coaches. I would get coaches from other schools that were opposing schools that would love to watch the film against Portland State or against Pacific because they love to hear us broadcasting and calling the games and it just kept me going and it made it it's something that you always say on here that that I live by it made those universities and those positions matter immensely for me because again while I still have a dream of going further in this business and I really have no sense of direction on where I'm going to go next or what opportunity is going to come my way next, I was able to be present in those moments, in those positions, because there were people there that let me know time and time and time again that they liked the work that I did and they believed in the work that I was doing. So it made me feel like I was doing the right thing. You know what I'm saying? I never went back to try to get a talk show host position, which, like I said, was what I started in. But as you are navigating this industry, you're just trying to figure yourself out in it. You know what I mean? What's my niche here? What is it that I'm best at? And the compliments and the love and the appreciation that I would get from the student athletes as well, um, definitely can't forget about them. It it let me know that I was doing the right thing in this space, and I'm just going to keep doing it and then – what do you know? We get a G League team here in Portland, and who could have guessed that that opportunity was going to open up? And I pursued it from day one, and here we are at day whatever, and I am officially in that position. And so we got Fan Fest tonight, Friday night at the Child Center at six p.m. I'm excited to be able to meet the other staff members, Gareth Quack, who will be the play-by-play Shout broadcaster. Out. Shout, Shout out, out to Gareth, man. He's super dope. I've got to see and hear some of his clips. Super excited to work with him. And, and, and I would also – I wouldn't be me if I didn't say I'm excited to be able to work side-by-side with another person of color. I've talked about the accessibility in this space for people that look like me and how I, I've never caught a game with another person of color in my career, e- even you included. Right, <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Like, even, and take you're one it, of my best it, friends in the world. What color I am. <laughs> <laughs> you, you included. You know what I'm saying? But you know how, how yeah. much how much representation Absolutely. in this space it has matters. meant to me. And it matters a lot. It matters a lot. And it's meant yeah. a lot to me. And it's why, I, again, I made my positions matter the way that I did because that was another thing that was big on me was I'm carrying the weight of who it is that I represent and what it is that I identify as, and I don't see much of it at all here. So I'm excited even for that to be able to know that I'm going to be working alongside another person of color, and I've never caught a game. Well, I've done football before with the guest host i've had a guest host uh, a guest host <laughs> here i go an uh, analyst i did play by play but for basketball in particular never never no for football i have for one game <laughs> so take from that what you will as long as i've been doing this so um i'm excited to be able to work along him to be able to grow with him build with him get better the partnership is with fox 12 here and the market so you'll be able to have access to all 24 home games that we'll be calling on fox 12 plus it's just it's match made man be easy you could just get the games on tv isn't that something 
Yeah, <laughs> it is. <And> that's how- <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, it'll be a lot to be able to take away from us being able to do that here in the market. Um, you know, because because we want everybody, and everybody should be able to watch their local professional teams on television. Yeah, and, and that is that. So it, it's just super exciting all the way around, man. And it's been a journey. And, and of course, of course, you know, I want to go as far as I can in this thing. But just as I have in the past, I am going to certainly make this position matter with with every right. ounce in me and I'm going to come with the same passion with the same approach and ultimately if you've never heard me on the call I, I'm not here to say that I'm the greatest analyst in the world I strive to be one day I put in the work to try and be but what I can tell you is you're going to have some fun yeah, that's right. tuning in because yeah. I'm going to be having fun yeah. calling those games. And that's what I'm all about. You know, I, 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 I study. I work hard. I'm informative. I, I, I'm i a professional game spitter, as my man Spencer that's has it, coined man. me. I've been saying that for years <laughs> before you even went pro, baby. But we having fun. But we are, nothing you know, else, we having well, fun. And you know the thing that, I'm cool, that I like, uh, and I think that this is why broadcasting is so important to the game, because of what it means to the local level and at a smaller scale, what you, you can really see the immediate impact. And excuse me, what I mean is, is like, you know, the broadcaster, especially like the analyst, like he, he is the dude who's like giving the audience the direction of how we're supposed to like analyze and interpret the game. What's happening. And and, and I think, and I think part of that is also like, you get to set the tone of like what the expectations from the viewer's standpoint are. Yeah. Because you get to actively commentate on what you see. Yeah. And establish, you know what I mean? Like a, like a, just, just a way, like a identity of how the, the community views basketball and the expectations that they have or whatever sport of yeah, their team for sure. And that, and that's why representation matters Yeah, because you need to have a, a, a diverse multitude of perspectives in order to have a more well-rounded perspective on the game. Yeah. And, and I, I'm sorry, but you know what I mean? I, I know you, I know that you're, you know, a winner and so we're on wake up and win by golly. So right. <laughs> like I know. And the thing that excites me the most is because, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're really my partner that I know that like, we're, you're going to establish a tone that I agree with. that I think that Portland f- basketball fans, you know, should have and should adapt. Like we need to hold our team accountable. We need to have fun with it. We need to make it matter. We need to have somebody that knows the game and has an interesting perspective about it. And I know that you're going to bring that. And I, it's, you're you're you are now a part of the history and the fabric of yeah. the story of basketball in my city. That's yeah. just hella cool. First ever. That's another That's thing. Cool. First ever. You know, I will yeah, be the right. first ever analyst and I will be calling the on the call for the with, with my guy Gareth. I, I'll be on the call for the first ever Rip City Remix basketball game against the South Bay Lakers, November 17th, 5 p.m. tip off. And, and yeah, it, that that's no small feat either. Be hell on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be hard. Yeah, ah! yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely. I, I've been thinking about that a lot too. Again, like this whole thing has been so match made in ways that I, I'll tell you. I have tried to create some sense around all of the different things that I do that I get questioned so much on 
how and why it is that I do what I do. And here's what I mean by that. For starters, I'm calling games. I'm also DJing. I'm also, you know, doing stuff in the political space. And people are trying to understand, well, what is it that this guy really does? Because he's doing these different things in all of these different spaces. And like this podcast essentially has been the only platform that I've had to try to make sense of it all and bring it all together. Now, here I am calling for an NBA G League team called the Rip City Remix. Spent countless nights DJing, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, in here in the market, in Rip City. Spent countless nights calling games here in Rip City, just at the collegiate level. But people are like, well, how does that all come together? And now, here it is, my individual brand, being able to be matched up with a team and a brand called the Rip City Remix at the professional level. And... and I'm going to read a paragraph about the Rip City Remix. The NBA G League affiliate of the Portland Trailblazers, the Rip City Remix, tips off this inaugural season in 2023-2024, bringing together creators, crafters, DIYers, which is do-it-yourself, and makers of the Portland community while providing a space for talent to shine. Making a difference on and off the court is at the heart of the Remix organization, which pays homage to the vintage era of the Trailblazers franchise with this 1970s flair and color scheme. Whether it's a fun outing with friends or family to get together Remix games at the University of Portland at the Child Center, offer some of the best upcoming basketball at an accessible price point, yada, yada, yada. But what you heard me read there essentially describes who I am you know what I'm saying and it's like the universe and I'm I'm a man of faith so I'll go ahead and just say the way I see it God has paved a way for me that all I did was just go out and do they talked about DIYers there (laughs) I went out and I did I freelanced in every which way and to be able to have all of these community ties and all of these different things that I do in this community to be able to make it make sense in what I would deem to be a dream job. Now, I I couldn't have fathomed that that would ever be the case as I've been navigating in all of these different spaces. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just come together and it's just made sense in so many more ways than one that it's like, this this just feels match made, you know what I mean? Outside of me being able to have the opportunity to to get my foot in the door in the NBA, which is a league that I always wanted to play in, well, that ain't gonna happen. So this is the next best thing for me, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and now here I am, foot in the door, but I'm I'm match made with an organization that stands for and that and that has a mission of what it is that my individual mission has been, unbeknownst to this ever becoming a thing and knowing that this would ever become a thing. And so it's just crazy how, how it's just all happened in the way that it's happened. And again, as, as the first ever broadcaster, as I mentioned, I created the broadcast analyst position at Pacific university, my alma mater. Then I went and created a bro. I'm not saying I was the first ever at those spaces, but at the time that I stepped into those positions, they were non-existent. I created a broadcast analyst position at Portland state. And so, and now here I am able to be the first ever broadcast analyst for the rip city remix. And like, 
I couldn't have written this story that way back when I was a young kid in college or a young kid growing up. Like, I couldn't have written that no better than the way that, again, some say the universe. I'm a man of faith. I say God has put this thing together. I just went out and did, essentially. Well, fill up your fountain pen because it's about to get real, real sticky. We got a lot more. We got a lot more to write. Yeah, for sure. For sure. As Karen Carpenter said, we've only just begun. We've only just begun, baby. Let's go, baby. <laughs> so yeah, man, I'm excited. Again, it's, it'll be a fun opportunity. I can't wait to be able to connect with the community at Fan Fest tonight and just throughout the season, of course, man. And, and yeah, for pull up to Fan Fest, man. Wake up and win podcast gonna be in the building. The brand new broadcast analyst for Rip City. For sure. That's the first win share it's to, to pull tight. up to. <laughs> 6 p.m. at the Child Center tonight, November 3rd. Um, pull up at University of Portland. Excited to see the fans. Ex- Excited to engage and interact with the fans and, and, and people that I'm going to be on the same team as and the same staff as. Um, then right after that, again, I'm back on the ones and twos. <laughs> Ain't nothing changed there. I'll be at Lulu doing my Lulu Friday R&B night. Please do come through after Fan Fest, after the Blazers game. Shout out to the Blazers. Again, I'm a Rip Citizens, wins, man. Bro. A couple back-to-back wins. I'm here for it. Good timing. Good timing. While there's some excitement around the Blazers right now, I'm able to have this announcement come out, this press release come out, all the things. So I ain't mad at it. Yeah, And, and, and they're playing against a team that hasn't won a game yet this year uh, in the Memphis Grizzlies. So, hey, maybe they'll win three in a row. And they playing back-to-back. Could be four in a row by Sunday. But tonight, Lulu Friday, 10 p.m., right after Fan Fest, right after the Blazer game. Come join me. Have a good time over there. Saturday is a loaded day. Um, I, I'll be at brunch at Mimosa in the morning from 11 a.m. until about 2.30 p.m. Jet straight from there. Go call the final football game, uh, the final home game of the season at, at Pacific University, uh, 4 p.m. kickoff. Once I'm done there, get a couple hours of, of chillaxing you, you didn't, in. You didn't mention that, by the way, in in the recap. You also do the football games. I also do the football games. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I did. I mean, I did mention that I called a oh, game right, with somebody right, from right, you know. You that, yeah. But but basketball. That's when I specified basketball. This will be the first time that I've ever been able to do that. Um. But yeah. Again. Again. I'll be able to. Well, actually, you know what? Even I'm lying there a little bit now that I think about it. I I had a I had young Olivia. Cleary come through. Oh, right. Yeah. Shout out to Last Olivia season. Cleary, my Last girl. Yeah. She actually was pretty nice. And she was really mic. good. She's yeah. killing it over there at the young student at the shout University of Oregon. Olivia, yeah, man. I have yeah. I had Olivia come through. I gotta yeah. give Olivia love. That's that's family right there. The Cleary family, the Johnson family. Shout out to them all, man. So much love for them. Um, TC, you of course, Tim Cleary, that was my coach at Pacific University and he was the first person to to assist with me being able to land an internship in sports radio like he connected the dots for me to have that internship with the ball face truth with John Canzano and again from there I, I just kept things rolling um, so big shout out to him as I mentioned Val big shout out to her you know the time that she was these are Olivia's parents by the way right um, you know they were 
she was at Portland State. You know, she's now the associate AD at the University of Oregon, but she was at Portland State when I came in over there as well. So, um, again, just excited about it all, man. Um, super stoked about it. But full-time, yes, this will be the first time I've ever called right. with anybody of color during basketball. But Pacific Football, 4 p.m. Then after that, I'll be at Aura Lounge and Tigered at 10 p.m. to DJ. And Sunday, we got... First basketball game of the season, baby. Right, right. 2 p.m. tip-off. We will be calling um, Pacific University women's basketball. Myself and Spencer right here alongside me. Yes, sir. Um, they'll be facing off against Alaska Anchorage. So it'll be a D2 opponent, which is exciting because we're also talking about a team that has been to back-to-back conference title games and and have lost um, in, some, in some really competitive games in the conference title the last couple years, but are bringing every single player back from last season to try and go for a championship run this year um, in the Northwest Conference. So I'm so excited about Pacific University women's basketball and being able to, you know, have them come through and and, and have a big year. They've got big, big expectations to go out there and win it all this year, as I mentioned, having made it to the conference championship game the last two seasons and coming up just short. And and they're still going to get played with in the preseason polls. We know this. You know what I well, mean? Well, what they are, but what I love about it, though, is I love the direction that head coach Alicia Parker is going in. Again, Alaska Anchorage is a D2. Right. Um, she's got some top 25 ranked teams that, that's on the schedule for the preseason as well. So she knows and understands that it's not really about the preseason, especially at that level. Conference play is everything. And she wants that team to be as prepared as possible to go through a a conference schedule that's always rigorous and one of the best conferences in the country. Anybody that has played at a high enough level knows, especially at a collegiate level, conference play is, to me, always the toughest level. it's even tougher than the postseason. Like the postseason has different implications in terms of it being do or die, essentially. But, and I've played in postseason in college as well, but conference play, you're playing against teams that are more familiar than you than any other teams that you're going to play against. They've been playing with you, uh, playing against you, excuse me, for a certain amount of years. They play against you two to three times a year as well. They know you as good as anybody as a basketball player. They know other coaches across the conference in terms of their coaching styles, the systems they run, uh, so on and so forth. It is a tough, tough, tough deal to get through conference play and be successful because night in and night out you're playing against teams that know just about everything that you're going to go and do out there and so for her she knows that at this level at the d3 level conference play is everything and she's doing what she can to prepare her team in the preseason to be able to have some tough competition play against some tough stiff competition and ultimately try to use that experience to be able to get through the rigors of conference play and ultimately the conference tournament so super excited about that man it's, it's gonna be lit um 2 p.m go 2 p.m coboxers.com or pull up yeah, come to the gym. Could pull up. We're going to be in the gym. Clearly, we're going to be in the gym all winter long. That's it. Well, it's going to be cold out here, so I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't got to be outdoors. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, we inside for sure. So, um, yeah, come pull up, man. And then Tube Tuesday, I'll be at Tube at 10 p.m. as well, DJing there. 
Um, what else do we even talk about now? <laughs> uh, I mean, the NBA season has started. I'll tell you, man. I obviously y'all know y'all clearly see how much I love now, this now you guys already gave your predictions. I wasn't on the episode last week. But you want to give yours? I mean, I not necessarily. I'm sure that they'll they'll come out okay. through the yeah. conversation. All right, all right. Um, but either way, I'll give my take at least to this sure. point in the season. Um, overall, man, this league is so good that like it look it feels like we're already in mid season right now. The guy, the the players are playing as if they're in mid season form. There's not much like revving up happening here early on in the season. Like these games are already super competitive. I mean, from you had that 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 two games last night that were ultra competitive in that. Clipper Laker game and then that Warriors uh Kings game as well with Clay knocking down the game when his shot in that one. Um Clipper Laker game goes into overtime. You had the game where the you know young Wimbyama has had some tough games. They beaten Phoenix after being down 20. The first game of the season, his first game of the season where it came down to the wire, even though they lost playing against the Mavericks and Luka. Like, I could just run off game after game after game. Philly and, and the Bucks, Dame's first game in a Bucks uniform where he goes off and they beat Philly by one. Like, the competition and the, and the level of play from especially the guys that you expect to be serving – throughout the season, right. they're coming right out the gates killing. Whether yeah. it be Steph, whether it be LeBron, whether it be Kawhi, Paul George, whether I mean you Devin, I mean Devin Booker only played that first game of the year, but he got off in that. Even Wimby is playing well here early on this year. Like Lucas undefeated and playing at an MVP level. I said Steph already, like the list goes on. Shea Gilgis Alexander's hooping. Like you name it. These dudes look like they're in midseason form out there already. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, and so, like, with that, for instance, if you're trying to pick MVP, good luck. Because you have no idea how – I'm obviously so early in the season, so the records aren't really reflecting what I think will pan out. But it really feels like this year the MVP of the league is is going to be essentially the person who just simply scores the most points. Because everybody's dropping 30. Like, every <laughs> every star on each team is giving you 30 to 35 every night out there. Yeah. And if you go and you look at all of the last MVP winners, say, of the last, like, 10 to 20 years, that's around the – you know what I mean? Like, that's a magic number. Yeah. Or at least it used to be in the NBA. If you averaged 30 in the in, in a season, you were top five in voting, top three in voting in the in MVP. Yeah, for now, sure. <laughs> now, Lori Markkinen could give you 35. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Kelly Oubre dropping 27 on your dome piece. For sure. It's ridiculous. But I want to say this, though, because, you know, we talk a lot in this league about the length of the, of the schedule. Yes, and 82 games. There's 82 of them. And and some people happen to think that that's quite a bit. And I am not necessarily in disagreement with that. And my question to you is this, Devon. If you could go forward and ensure that you're going to see this level of play directly out of the gate, do you think that that incentivizes or at least pacifies you know, the idea of shortening the season for you? Um, No. No, 
I, I, I don't want you to consider like the broadcast deal. We'll talk, no, no, we'll talk no, about no, that. No, 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 but, for but, sure. You know what for I mean? sure. Just basketball. Just, just As a basketball, fan of the game. Yes, thank you. As a fan of the game, um, I say no. And the reason why I say no is, for one, legacy-wise, it will impact how we view players going forward in terms of like what their legacies mean to this game overall. And I don't think that it's that big of an issue to where – you shorten the games for that reason in particular because they're playing well. For two, I think it also means that if they're playing well now and they're, they're and the product is so good this early on in the season and we'll see how this in-season tournament can increase the product that we're already seeing that's really good so far as we've already mentioned, um, with the product being this good, it's going to be tougher later for players and teams to be able to take nights off or you might not make the playoffs but that's, you might not make you might not get these opportunities to be able to go out there and you know try to ultimately try and win a championship which is which is the ultimate goal for everybody in this league sure. but you only get one of them so if if you have the product being that good and yeah we're already seeing some back to back rest nights from players and things like that but it's like it's going to come back to start biting you as the game continues to grow and elevate on an international front and the product continues to grow and elevate because the game is growing and elevating on an international front and the competition is getting better and stiffer and more unique, I think it's going to be harder to take nights off because it ultimately impact the overall success of you as an individual and, and the organization at large. Well, you know, and I, I hear you mention the in-season tournament, which we, I mean, I was talking on the courtside crossover with a friend of the podcast, uh, Chris Partee. Shout out to Chris. Go check out his stuff at Deadspin. It's real tight. But I was on his podcast uh, a couple of days ago, and we were talking about it. And I'm just like, we don't, we don't know what this in season tournament is going to look like. No, and, we don't. And, and, and to be honest, it doesn't matter if it's really, if it's really good, if it's a really entertaining addition to the the season then all it will do will have accomplished the feat that the NBA was trying to do in the first place, which is give you something entertaining to watch in November and December. Right. But if you don't have the, if you don't have a need for that because of the doldrums of the entire 82 game season that you need to fill a, a month or, or more of space just to make entertaining basketball happen, which which we've already determined we have not, we're not lacking in that right now. Well, yeah, and, and so I just, I, I just, so I just think that, you know, I think that the, that that is still something that is definitely on the table. And I, I would imagine that it's going to be something that it becomes a lot more likely sooner than later, because I just don't see so much of a need. I mean, you have these new rule changes where they're like, in order for you to be eligible for uh, end of season awards, you have to play 65 games. And yeah. It's like, okay, so if you want, if, if, if what you, what you absolutely want is at least 65 games out of these players, then just make it a 65 game season dog. For sure. You know what I'm, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't, just wouldn't, don't wouldn't do that. Don't have back to back. Exactly. You right, 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 right. I hear you. I hear so, you. I mean, I, I just think that I, I, I don't obviously know anything. This is all just speculatory on my part. I, yeah, but I, I just feel I, like I'm it's never advocating. Thought about. I'm Absolutely. never advocating for less basketball. You can figure out a way to to break games up and to figure out scheduling things that are like, like I get all of that, but like, I'm not, I'm just not as a fan again, not even as a broadcaster. And as somebody who has 
interest in this sure. in, in terms of what it is that what of what I do, but like I'm just not going to advocate for less basketball. And here's the thing: I don't, I don't think, it has think to be that less the league. Basketball. And, I don't. I just think it might have to be a little less NBA basketball, which could make room for other basketball happening. Anyway, say more. Well, I mean. I mean, because we're, we're talking as basketball uh, well, fans here. Well, Say more. Well, let's talk about it. And I it. think like, I know where you're headed. Well, I think you do. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the argument against taking away games is it's already been paid for from, from these broadcast deals. Yes. But you are, I mean, we're talking about the G League being 50% of players are, are active rosters today in yeah, the bigs. For and sure. So uh, you, you're watching the WNBA finally start to, to gain some momentum and some trajectory yeah. in terms of, you know, just more popularity. And I'm like, well, those are both products of the NBA. For sure. So like, for sure. You know what I mean? So and so when I see all of these things, like, you know, these, these sort of arbitrary rule changes that the players are sort of poo-pooing. And then you have these additions that, I mean, I, again, I'm reserving my judgment because we haven't seen it yet, but I mean, off rip, feel a little gimmicky and feel a little fillery. Yeah. It's like, I think that there's just better ways to allocate that time and, and allocate that space. Yes. Giving the G league a bigger platform, giving the WNBA, not having the WNBA in the summer and when everybody else in the world is is, playing basketball in the winter, whether it be college, men's, women's high school, everything, the WNBA is on an Island playing basketball. Those are subtle. Those are subtle like messages that are sent from, from the NBA to the viewer. It's like we don't really care about the WNBA like that. The G League is something that where you it's farm teams. Like that's why it's really good what the the Rip City Remix are doing. That they're like, here's a new team. We're coming at it from a fresh perspective. Yeah, we're trying to make it this sort of like, you know, we're just trying to come at it from a different angle. Like yeah. that's what's needed. You need you you can't just run the same play over and over again and expect to score down the field every time. Yeah, it's not gonna do it for sure. For sure. And so. And again, like I don't know anything. Obviously, this is all speculatory. But I just believe that you could you could manipulate the you could still fill the time and put basketball in front of people's eyes. Quality basketball. And 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 by the way, like I'm not anybody's PR guy, but it's like if you're gonna the criticism. If we want to talk about the WNBA for a second, the criticism that you always boil it down to. These arguments will always ultimately devolve into the one thing that people can't disagree with is that the the WNBA in order to become more popular would need to have more exposure. Yes. But the fact is, is that their responsibility is on those broadcasters, those NBA executives. And I mean, and I guess, you know, whatever sort of teammates you have inside of that business, whether it be the NBA, the play, the NBA players association could yeah. probably have, you know, pen a letter or, or, or start to give some ideas. I'm just saying that like, there's so much money to put where your mouth is it, it, when you're the NBA, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like you, you gotta, you gotta put it to your mouth for sure. At for some sure. point. Definitely. So, definitely. and you know me, I'm going to, I'm going to keep beating this drum forever. Definitely. Always, definitely. always no, I, That's something, I mean, with the WNBA in particular and, and you know, with the G league, I, I hadn't so much thought about it. Um, but, but obviously I am now and, and, you know, we'll see what opportunities are, are to come. Cause I have heard that there are some 
broadcasting plans for this season even with the G League that are, are some pretty fun and big-time broadcasting plans. I just don't quite know what those are yet, but obviously y'all will know when I yeah, do yeah. here well, on this know, podcast. You know. <laughs> but 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 I don't quite know what it is yet. But to be fair, I, I have heard some rumblings that there will be some things coming down the pike. So we'll see what that is ultimately when we get there. Sure. And obviously we'll re- revisit this conversation when that happens. But, but with the WNBA in particular, like I've always said, even, you know, with the announcements and we'll just get to it. Um, uh, the unfortunate news is that there's been a pause in terms of the WNBA expanding to PDX. Shout out Mason Cameron, by the um, way. Um, <laughs> right. It is what it is, pause. <laughs> but but there's been a pause in that process. Y'all know that we've been um, talking about following, discussing, covering this entire process since basically day one of it. You know, when I had Senator Wyden here on this podcast to talk about WNBA expansion and then he followed up and, and penned a letter. We also wrote an article about it that was published in Street Roots. He followed up from that episode, penned a letter to Adam Silver, which is the NBA commish, Kathy Engelbert, who's the WNBA commish, um, advocating for expansion of the WNBA to come to Portland. Um, from there, conversations just revved up. Things started happening. They responded back positively. We had the rally where Kathy Engelbert came here to Portland. Um, you know, Commissioner Wyden had the meeting, uh, had the small businesses, um, you know, sign a petition in, in, in support of this WNBA team. And then ultimately you have a WNBA team about a month ago get announced that will be expanding to the Bay Area. And at that time, reports essentially were saying that Portland is the next market to get an expansion team. Um, Unfortunately, that has fallen through for the moment. Um, You can speculate why that is. Um, There was a letter from Engelbert to to Senator Wyden saying that it had to do with renovations at the Motor Center, which a lot of people were like, ah, you sure that that's the thing? Um, And then there's been more reports that have come out and basically saying that Ultimately, in the 11th hour, I'm paraphrasing, and Bill Orem, who, who's the columnist he's at the Oregonian, he broke this story him. in particular, and, and he's been he's been on it, and he's been updating as he continues to get gather more information since breaking the story that ultimately there was a breakdown, and uh, Kirk Brown, who was going to be spearheading the ownership group for this WNBA team and Kathy Engelbert in the WNBA, which is obviously the league. Um, so here we are now um, at a standstill. And, and I tell you what, like, you know, being around the city uh, as I do, ripping and running and getting to talk to a lot of different people from all different neighborhoods, like, there was no like people really they heard this news they impacted it a lot of people that i didn't even know like in my life necessarily like may have even been basketball fans were like sending me the articles like yo have you heard about this just because they know how closely we stay to this story for sure so i mean it is impactful and i think that it was something that people were really looking forward to in this city and it feels like um I mean, I think uh, uh, in that article, a, a source had said something to the effect of it was like uh, shutting down a wedding right before you say I do. And when yeah. you hear that, it just is gut wrenching. Yeah, for you know sure. What I mean, and for sure. So, uh, there's a little bit of hope there that uh, I guess um, they're still sort of scrambling for 
um, maybe putting, you know, cobbling together another ownership group definitely to get that fifty million put up. Uh, there's others speculate whether uh, Kathy and her people even want to entertain that if there's something that they can somehow manifest. I mean, that all remains to be seen, obviously. So, but it's safe to say that the opportunity was there. And it was right there. It was right there, as you yeah. mentioned. <laughs> you know, with the with the story of it's like the wedding getting called off and right it's before. Like you could, you know, and the and I, I mean, we, right we, we were there. Like we we've we, been a part we, of it. We were we, were, the, we, we, we were to be fair. We were like we, some of the first beating this drum. This is back when again I interviewed Senator Wyden about the Brittany Griner situation when he, um, you know, when he led the Senate resolution in terms of, you know, attempting to get Brittany Griner released from Russia. And at that particular time, during that same interview, this is during the WNBA playoffs, we have a conversation with him again. The, the episode is here. You go find the last episode we had with Senator Wyden. You can listen to it or you can go look it up and see it in Street Roots. Right. We were the first kind of that that did the more journalism piece in terms of you know, attempting to spearhead that momentum. And from there, you know, in his position of power, he he took it on the way that he took it on and and he gave that thing life, Senator Wyden did. You know what I'm saying? So um yeah, man, it's just it's it's unfortunate to hear because it, you definitely feel that that we had it. Um and and I got a reaction too from Senator Wyden. Um which I wasn't the only person in this market, so some of you may have read it, but it did get sent to me as well. Um, but you know, you were saying, you know, that we we were one of the first ones, and I mean, like, and I think, uh, moreover, like we 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 built a, a a deep level of intimacy with this thing and with this project. You yes, know? like we really we really cared about it. And we yes, really we have care about <laughs> we it. We still and do. So, <laughs> We and still so do. It's just it, it's we, it actually rocked us. It we've been a lot, yeah, yeah, it, we yeah, like, for sure. We we felt bad when yeah. that news came yeah. out. Um, Senator Wyden, this is from his office. Senator Wyden is committed to continue working hard with everybody in Portland who's teaming up to bring our city and state a WNBA franchise. Portland and all of Oregon have long proven a hotbed for women's sports, and he has no doubt that the WNBA would succeed here in a similar fashion. And then also, for what it's worth, um, shout out to Hank Stern, friend of the show. Shout out to Hank. Who, you know, works on on Senator Wyden's staff. He's his press secretary, quite frankly. Um, There is a press release coming from Senator Wyden. uh, I'm assuming a little bit more of a lengthy press release, potentially today um, in regards to this entire breakdown, essentially, of the WNBA and the city of Portland being on pause in terms of uniting and us having a team out here. So there will be more to come and, and we'll talk about it more, uh, you know, with time, but, um, well, you know, this is, this yeah, is what it's I, unfortunate. I wanted, you know, I, I, in that article, there was something briefly mentioned about a name, a potential name that was proposed by ownership group. Yes. The Rip, the Rip City royalty that alleged that maybe Kathy Engelbert didn't necessarily agree with the potential connotations of that name. Um, now, I don't know. That's not necessary. It's not on its surface. It's not a very important part of the uh, ultimate breakdown of this situation. But I do think that it is indicative of if you're looking for a silver lining here, any, you know, Portland basketball fans out there that like, you know, maybe you know, that wasn't the right type of ownership group in the first place. I mean, for, for whatever 
reason or another. And now we have the space to, you know, uh, to fill that void again and maybe put some, some new players into the game. And I think that, you know, Man, I was walking around today, as you know, one of my many jobs, I uh, p- uh, take care of dogs. Yeah. And, and, I, and I walk around the neighborhoods, man. And I, just today, I was just noticing just how many basketball courts there are and hoops hung up on light poles and, and in alleyways and off of carports. And it's like, this is a basketball town. Yeah. And so hooping and Hermanston and uh, <laughs> Fallon and Forrest Grove. rebounding in Roseburg. <laughs> Shout out to Senator White, man. <laughs> he got his issue though. He really did. Yeah. He got his issue off. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but but I, I just I'm saying like I just feel I still feel hopeful. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I feel me like, as well. Me as well. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't. I, I just know that the spirit of the city, especially when it comes to basketball, we just don't lay it. We just don't lay down like that. We For love, sure. We love our hoops out here. And yes. So, yes. You know, Yes, absolutely. Um, what else we got here? Again, I, I'm I, I'm with you. you we, we're we're going to stay positive about this because I think well, it still can happen. So then you don't want to talk about your Raiders yet if you want to stay Yeah, let's it. go for it. No, no, I'm talking about with the WNBA <laughs> will stay positive. Oh, yeah, yeah, our, yeah. Our hopes are, are high that this thing still can happen and, and anything that we can do to try to figure out what's going on and how to help, you know, we'll, we're here to do just that as we've been along this journey and along this ride the entire time advocating for the W to come here to the market. Um, the Raiders. Yeah, we fire our head coach Josh McDaniels, and I ain't mad about it. Somebody else. Got, I never call for nobody's did, job to did, get. Didn't really, somebody else uh, get removed to a GM or something? Yes, our GM got fired as well. Dave Ziegler got fired as well. So both our head coach and our GM got fired. Now, obviously as somebody who works in sports, I'm not particularly calling for anybody to get fired um, because I know what it's like, as I talked about earlier on here on the podcast and, and going through my own journeys of being fired in this space. It's a tough business to last in. It's a tough business to sustain in. I know that. Um, but it was just time for us to go in a different However, direction. <laughs> you got to win football games. It's what the, it's the it's the name of the job. You know That's what, what I'm saying? You got to do. We we we're bringing generational talent over to our program, to our organization. Um, whether it be Devontae Adams, I mean Josh Jacobs has the potential to be that. Max Crosby on the defensive line had like we've brought in guys that have the potential to be generational talents and we have essentially not done them justice to be able to help them live up to what their abilities are out there on the football field. And once that happens, then you get to a point where it's probably time to part ways. Now, with that said, we've also had eight head coaches over the last 12 years. So something that, that is crazy. Something is to be said about the tip, 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 tip top of the organization <laughs> and why it is that we cannot find something that remotely works that we don't have those eye popping numbers of eight different head coaches in the last 12 years that have been a part of this organization. 
So it's hard for me to be as critical when we have the turnover that it is that we have. Yes, in the moment, I'm a fan. I'm a Raider fan at that. We are some of the most lunatic fans in the world of sports. Forget American sports. Forget North (laughs) American sports. In the world of sports, we are maniacal. I can criticize us, too, as a fan base. We're crazy. I know. I grew up in it. I mean, I I grew up in, in going to the games in Oakland. Family was, you know, season ticket holders in Oakland. I've been to many of tailgates. Haven't been to a game in Las Vegas yet, but I know what it is. I know where our, our core fan base and, and who we operate as at, at, at the core growing up in California. I know who we are and what it is that we do. Um, we're maniacal. I understand that. But at the same time, so yeah, I may get emotional and then my feelings and critical in the moment, especially when we're losing. Losing sucks. Losing is frustrating. That's why I host a podcast called Wake Up and Win, because I don't like to lose. Yeah, we don't call it Wake Up and Lose. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? But at the same token, while yes, I do think that the current iteration of who we are was time to be, it was time for that to be blown up. I don't want to continue this trend of yeah, that's having problem. less, having more than one head coach every two years. Yeah, essentially, you, if you if you break those numbers down, you know what I'm saying? Like right. eight head coaches in twelve years, like that's tough. It, it's it's funny because it's kind of a catch twenty two in the sense that you're like, well, you're happy that you know ownership is is willing to make these aggressive moves when things aren't going their way. But it's like you can't just keep playing musical chairs yeah. with y- your staff. You're not developing any sort of cohesion over there. And don't look now, but like, I mean, it's pretty. Las Vegas is one of those places that when you look at their other sports teams that are the professional sports teams that are there, there's already very quickly embedded a culture of and an expectation of winning there. Yeah. And, and the Raiders being the the type of storied franchise that they are in the National Football League and as you mentioned having a fan base that is so supremely loyal that are they're real football people and 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 you know they love their team and that a part of that that bay area culture is brought over to Las Vegas where you know they're they're not <clears throat> excuse me they're not going to let it they're not going to let that slide yeah and sure. I mean, and and it was a good thing that they did what they did because Devontae Adams was probably had half his bags packed. Yes, he did. Yeah. Like if you lose him, you have lost the the in, I you guaranteed you will have lost the interest and support from your fan base for sure. toward the ownership group. You just can't do that. So I, I don't know what I, I've heard, you know, from you know, reporters asking players how they feel about these changes and everyone obviously feels pretty good, which I think says a lot about what kind of dysfunction they might have been facing throughout this season so far. Uh, but also, you know, it's like, it's, what is it, week nine? It's, I mean, you know what I mean? Week, we ain't where we supposed to be yeah, right and, now. And so it's like, I, I don't, there's just going to be a lot of work to do in the off season. Yes, but also, because I don't we know don't if need you can to rush that work. Season. And, I, yeah, and I don't, and that's exactly, not an original. That's not an original take. I, I, I heard uh, Marcus Spears, Swagoo, as they call him on ESPN, talking about it on ESPN, and I wholeheartedly agreed. And like I said, with the fact that we've had so many, so much turnover, and for more than a decade now at the head coaching position. 
it, it tells me we need to really, really, really slow all the way down mm. and figure this thing out right. because that's that's just it's it's really in a lot of ways unacceptable, especially being that our production on the field reflects that turnover and what right. it is that we haven't been able to do on the field reflects that turnover. And so, of course, it's still Raider Nation for life for me, but I I I wouldn't mind if we took a Trailblazers approach and go full rebuild. Go eh? full rebuild. You got you know, some, hey, you got good core pieces. At this point, I say go full rebuild. Well, you know what season, I mean? Because your season we, we, is pretty much done, though. Well, the reason I say go full rebuild is because, again, if we're going to try to find some permanency in that position, we are going to have to allow that coach to ultimately direct and and, and really and really be the 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 spearhead of what it is that our culture is going to be as an organization and, and ultimately as a team, you know, with the guys that are the 53 men that are going to go out there onto the field and compete week in and week out. And in, in that case, you kind of have to go rebuild if you want a coach to be able to establish their full and authentic selves to be able to lead and spearhead your organization in the direction that you want it to go and in the direction that'll have him last more than two years in the position as head coach. You know what I'm saying? Right. And in that case, it's a little bit harder to do when you aren't in rebuild mode than when you are in re in rebuild mode. Cause when you are like, there's more of an understanding of we're trying to find a sense of direction here and build this thing from the ground up rather than, we're trying to continue bringing in talents like Devontae Adams who can contribute to winning clearly based on how talented they are right. and they're in positions and being put in positions where that's not happening and nobody's happy. <laughs> you know what I'm well, saying? Right. I mean, and it's like, I mean, at the very least, you're going to, you got to give these guys an opportunity to have a little bit of cohesion. Like, you know, you're talking about the Blazers rebuild and, and, you know, you look at a case like Damian Lillard, who, I mean, a team that didn't win had a couple of nice runs here and there, but I would argue that a large contributing factor to the fact that Dame has the accolades and the acclaim in his career and, and his career has gotten to where it is, is because of he had Terry Stotts there for a majority of his tenure in Portland. Yeah. And, and, and for what that was worth, it at least gave him a little bit of stability in order to build upon something. And it, there was a clear cut culture. And that is something that the Raiders just do not have right now. Yeah. They just yeah. do not have their own identity as a football team. And you can't win in this league without that. Yeah. You look tough. at the teams <laughs> that are getting there or close to it every time. These are franchises that know exactly who they are. Yep. Everybody knows their job, and and it's. I mean, even it, when you know all of that and all those, all that makes sense. It's still damn near impossible and, to win. And it's so interesting because, as an organization, like we have probably built an identity of who we're supposed to be sure. better than any organization in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, if you if you just look back at the history mm -hmm. of Raider Nation, who we are, what it is we embody, what it is that we represent, so you would think that like we would be able to easily find somebody that can identify with that because we know what that is. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But clearly we're having a hard time doing so. I mean, I know, you know, we, we had a transition from Al Davis to Mark Davis and maybe 
Mark Davis is struggling, which you would think because he's in, it's a family inheritance that he wouldn't struggle to do so. But clearly it's happening. But, but like who we are as a brand within the confines of the NFL is one of the most recognized amongst the league. And the fact that even that is not helping us to be able to be in tune with, with what we should or who we should identify as, it, it's a little weird to me. Um, but yet here we are so um but it's still raider nation for life baby silver and black attack see y'all next you season. know I- i'm a black hole bandit forever yes, we'll see y'all next and season. uh nah we got another game coming up this week raider nation week in week out and and, and i bleed silver and black well you're gonna be doing a lot of bleeding appreciate y'all for tuning in and on that note we are gonna leave y'all the only way that we know how and that is to stay woke and go in. Okay.